This episode of Getting the Word with Truth's Table is brought to you by IVP. Many know the poem, Twas the Night Before Christmas, and can even recite portions of it by heart. But what's really the story behind St. Nicholas? Stay tuned to learn more about St. Nicholas, the Gift Giver, by Ned Bustard, a book from IVP Kids. And by Truth's Table. If you've been blessed by these daily audio Bible podcast readings, please consider supporting Truth's Table on Patreon at patreon.com slash truthstable. This is IVP. Listening to Get in the Word with Truth Table. Your word is truth, your word is life. Presented by Innervar City Press. Your word is truth, your word is life. A daily audio Bible podcast read by Dr. Christina Edmondson and Akemeni Uwan. Let's get in the Word, and may the Word get in us. Open our eyes, that we may behold wonderful things in your Word. Old Testament reading, Ezekiel chapter 45, verses 13 through Ezekiel chapter 47. Ezekiel chapter 45, beginning at verse 13. This is the offering you must offer, a sixth of an ephah from Omer of wheat, a sixth of an ephah from an Omer of barley. And as a prescribed portion of olive oil, one-tenth of a bath from each core, which is ten baths, or a omer for ten baths, make a omer. And one sheep from each flock of two hundred, from the water places of Israel, for a grain offering, burnt offering, and peace offering, to make atonement for them, declares the Sovereign Lord. All the people of the land will contribute to this offering for the prince of Israel. It will be the duty of the prince to provide the burnt offerings, the grain offering, and the drink offering at festivals on the new moons and Sabbaths. At all the appointed feasts of the house of Israel, he will provide the sin offering, the grain offering, the burnt offering, and the peace offerings to make atonement for the house of Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says. In the first month, on the first day of the month, you must take an unblemished young bull and purify the sanctuary. The priest will take some of the blood of the sin offering and place it on the doorpost of the temple, on the four corners of the ledge of the altar, and on the doorposts of the gate of the inner court. This is what you must do on the seventh day of the month for anyone who sins inadvertently or through ignorance, so you will make atonement for the temple. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, you will celebrate the Passover, and for the seven days of the festival bread made without yeast will be eaten. On that day, the prince will provide for himself and for all the people of the land a bull for a sin offering. And during the seven days of the feast, he will provide a burnt offering to the Lord, seven bulls and seven rams, all without blemish on each of the seven days, and a male goat daily for a sin offering. He will provide as a grain offering an ephah for each bull, an ephah for each ram, and a gallon of olive oil for each ephah of grain. In the seventh month, on the fifteenth day of the month, at the feast, he will make the same provisions for the sin offering 
burnt offering and grain offering and for the olive oil for the seven days. Ezekiel chapter 46. The Prince's Offerings. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. The gate of the inner court that faces east will be closed six working days, but on the Sabbath it will be open, and on the day of the new moon it will be open. The prince will enter by the way of the porch of the gate from the outside and will stand by the doorpost of the gate. The priest will provide his burnt offering and his peace offerings, and he will bow down at the threshold of the gate and then go out, but the gate will not be closed until evening. The people of the land will bow down at the entrance of that gate before the Lord on the Sabbaths and on the new moons. The burnt offering that the prince will offer to the Lord on the Sabbath day will be six unblemished lambs and one unblemished ram. The grain offering will be an ephah with the ram, and the grain offering with the lambs will be as much as he is able to give, and a gallon of olive oil with an ephah. On the day of the new moon, he will offer an unblemished young bull and six lambs and a ram, all without blemish. He will provide a grain offering, an ephah with the bull, and an ephah with the ram and with the lambs as much as he wishes, and a gallon of olive oil with each ephah of grain. When the prince enters, he will come by way of the porch of the gate and will go out the same way. When the people of the land come before the Lord at the appointed feast, whoever enters by way of the north gate to worship will go out by way of the south gate. Whoever enters by way of the south gate will go out by way of the north gate. No one will return by way of the gate they entered, but will go out straight ahead. When they come in, the prince will come in with them. And when they go out, he will go out. At the festivals and at the appointed feast, the grain offering will be an ephah with the bull and an ephah with the ram and with the lambs as much as one is able and a gallon of olive oil with each ephah of grain. When the prince provides a freewill offering, a burnt offering or peace offerings as a voluntary offering to the Lord, the gate facing east will be open for him and he will provide his burnt offering and his peace offerings just as he did on the Sabbath. Then he will go out and the gate will be closed after he goes out. You will provide a lamb a year old without blemish for a burnt offering daily to the Lord. Morning by morning, he will provide it. And you will provide a grain offering with it morning by morning, a sixth of an ephah and a third of a gallon of olive oil to moisten the choice flour as a grain offering to the Lord. This is a perpetual statute. Thus, they will provide the lamb, the grain offering, and the olive oil morning by morning as a perpetual burnt offering. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. If the prince should give a gift to one of his sons as his inheritance, it will belong to his sons. It is their property by inheritance. But if he gives a gift from his inheritance to one of his servants, it will be his until the year of liberty. Then it will revert to the prince. His inheritance will only remain with his sons. The prince will not take away any of the people's inheritance by oppressively removing them from their property. He will give his sons an inheritance from his own possessions so that my people will not be scattered, each from his own property. Then he brought me through the entrance, which was at the side of the gate, into the holy chambers for the priests, which faced north. There I saw a place at the extreme western end. He said to me, This is the place where the priests will boil the guilt offering and the sin offering, and there they will bake the grain offering, so that they do not bring them out to the outer court to transmit holiness to the people. Then he brought me out to the outer court and led me past the four corners of the court. And I noticed that in every corner of the court, there was a court. And the four corners of the court were small courts, 70 feet in length and 52 and a half feet in width. The four were all the same size. There was a row of masonry around each of the four courts and places for boiling offerings were made under the rows all around. Then he said to me, these are the houses for boiling where the ministers of the temple boil the sacrifices of the people. Ezekiel chapter 47, water from the temple. 
Then he brought me back to the entrance of the temple. I noticed that water was flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east, for the temple faced east. The water was flowing down from under the right side of the temple, from south of the altar. He led me out by way of the north gate and brought me around the outside of the outer gate that faces toward the east. I noticed that the water was trickling out from the south side. When the man went out toward the east with a measuring line in his hand, he measured 1,750 feet, and then he led me through water which was ankle deep. Again, he measured 1,750 feet and led me through the water, which was now knee deep. Once more, he measured 1,750 feet and led me through the water, which was waist deep. Again, he measured 1,750 feet and it was a river I could not cross, for the water had risen. It was deep enough to swim in, a river that could not be crossed. He said to me, son of man, have you seen this? Then he led me back to the bank of the river. When I had returned, I noticed a vast number of trees on the banks of the river on both sides. He said to me, These waters go out toward the eastern region and flow down into the Rift Valley. When they enter the Dead Sea, where the sea is stagnant, the waters become fresh. Every living creature that swarms where the river flows will live. There will be many fish, for these waters flow there. It will become fresh, and everything will live where the river flows. Fishermen will stand beside it. From Engedi to Englaim, they will spread nets. They will catch many kinds of fish, like the fish of the great sea. But its swamps and its marshes will not become fresh. They will remain salty. On both sides of the river's banks, every kind of tree will grow for food. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. But they will bear fruit every month because their water source flows from the sanctuary. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for healing. Boundaries for the land. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Here are the borders. You will observe as you allot the land to the twelve tribes of Israel. Joseph will have two portions. You must divide it equally, just as I vowed to give it to your forefathers. This land will be a sign as your inheritance. This will be the border of the land. On the north side, from the great sea, by way of Hethlon, to the entrance of Zidad, Hamath, Barothoth, Sibraim, which is between the border of Damascus and the border of Hamath, as far as Hazer Hatikon, which is on the border of Haran. The border will run from the sea to Hazar Enan, on the border of Damascus, and on the north is the border of Hamath. This is the north side. On the east side, between Haran and Damascus, and between Gilead and the land of Israel, will be the Jordan. You will measure from the border to the eastern sea. This is the east side. On the south side, it will run from Tamar to the waters of Meribah, Kadesh, the river, to the Great Sea. This is the south side. On the west side, the Great Sea will be the boundary to a point opposite Lebo Hamath, This is the west side. This is how you will divide this land for yourselves among the tribes of Israel. You must allot it as an inheritance among yourselves and for the resident foreigners who live among you, who have fathered sons among you. You must treat them as native born among the people of Israel. They will be allotted an inheritance with you among the tribes of Israel. In whatever tribe the resident foreigner lives, there you will give him his inheritance, declares the sovereign Lord. New Testament reading, Acts chapter 22, verses 22 through Acts chapter 23. Acts chapter 22, beginning at verse 22. The Roman commander questions Paul. The crowd was listening to him until he said this. Then they raised their voices and shouted, Away with this man from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. While they were screaming and throwing off their cloaks and tossing dust in the air, the commanding officer ordered Paul to be brought back into the barracks. He told them to interrogate Paul by beating him with a lash so that he could find out the reason the crowd was shouting at Paul in this way. When they had stretched him out for the lash, Paul said to the centurion standing nearby, 
Is it legal for you to lash a man who was a Roman citizen without a proper trial? When the centurion heard this, he went to the commanding officer and reported it, saying, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the commanding officer came and asked Paul, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? He replied, Yes. The commanding officer answered, I acquired the citizenship with a large sum of money, but I was even born a citizen, Paul replied. Then those who were about to interrogate him stayed away from him, and the commanding officer was frightened when he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had tied him up. Paul before the Sanhedrin. The next day, because the commanding officer wanted to know the true reason Paul was being accused by the Jews, he released him and ordered the chief priests and the whole council to assemble. He then brought Paul down and had him stand before them. Acts chapter 23. Paul looked directly at the council and said, Brothers, I have lived my life with a clear conscience before God to this day. At that, the high priest Ananias ordered those standing near Paul to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall. Do you sit there judging me according to the law? And in violation of the law, you order me to be struck? Those standing near him said, Do you dare insult God's high priest? Paul replied, I did not realize, brothers, that he was a high priest, for it is written, You must not speak evil about a ruler of your people. Then, when Paul noticed that part of them were Sadducees and the others Pharisees, he shouted out in the council, Brothers, I am a Pharisee, a son of Pharisees. I am on trial concerning the hope of the resurrection of the dead. When he said this, an argument began between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and the assembly was divided. For the Sadducees say, There is no resurrection or angel or spirit, but the Pharisees acknowledged them all. There was a great commotion, and some experts in the law from the party of the Pharisees stood up and protested strongly. We find nothing wrong with this man. What if a spirit or an angel has spoken to him? When the argument became so great, the commanding officer feared that they would tear Paul to pieces. He ordered the detachment to go down, take him away from them by force, and bring him into the barracks. The following night, the Lord stood near Paul and said, Have courage, for just as you have testified about me in Jerusalem, so you must also testify in Rome. The Plot to Kill Paul When morning came, the Jews formed a conspiracy and bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink anything until they had killed Paul. There were more than 40 of them who formed this conspiracy. They went to the chief priests and the elders and said, We have bound ourselves with a solemn oath not to partake of anything until we have killed Paul. So now you and the council request the commanding officer to bring him down to you, as if you were going to determine his case by conducting a more thorough inquiry. We are ready to kill him before he comes near this place. But when the son of Paul's sister heard about the ambush, he came and entered the barracks and told Paul. Paul called one of the centurions and said, Take this young man to the commanding officer, for he has something to report to him. So the centurion took him and brought him to the commanding officer and said, The prisoner Paul called me and asked me to bring this young man to you because he has something to tell you. The commanding officer took him by the hand, withdrew privately and asked, What is it that you want to report to me? He replied, The Jews have agreed to ask you to bring Paul down to the council tomorrow, as if they were going to inquire more thoroughly about him. So do not let them persuade you to do this, because more than 40 of them are lying in ambush for him. They have bound themselves with an oath not to eat or drink anything until they have killed him, and now they are ready, waiting for you to agree with their request. Then the commanding officer sent the young man away, directing him, Tell no one that you have reported these things to me. Then he summoned two of the centurions and said, Make ready. 200 soldiers to go to Caesarea, along with 70 horsemen and 200 spearmen by nine o'clock tonight, and provide mounts for Paul to ride, so that he may be brought safely to Felix the governor. 
He wrote a letter that went like this. Claudius Lysias to His Excellency Governor Felix Greetings. This man was seized by the Jews and they were about to kill him when I came up with the detachment and rescued him because I had learned that he was a Roman citizen. Since I wanted to know what charge they were accusing him of, I brought him down to their council. I found he was accused with reference to controversial questions about their law, but no charge against him deserved death or imprisonment. When I was informed there would be a plot against this man, I sent him to you at once, also ordering his accusers to state their charges against him before you. So the soldiers, in accordance with their orders, took Paul and brought him to Antipatris during the night. The next day they let the horsemen go on with him, and they returned to the barracks. When the horsemen came to Caesarea and delivered the letter to the governor, they also presented Paul to him. When the governor had read the letter, he asked what province he was from. When he learned that he was from Cilicia, he said, I will give you a hearing when your accusers arrive too. Then he ordered that Paul be kept under guard in Herod's palace. This is the word of God for the people of God. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Let us go boldly to God's throne of grace. God, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the passage, O oh God, in Ezekiel that foreshadows the beautiful scene at the end of Revelation where the tree of life, O oh God, and the rivers and the waters of just beauty and green lushness in the trees for the healing of the nations. There will be a day where we will dwell with you in your presence. We will see you face to face if we continue to persevere, if we continue to stay in the narrow way and look to you, oh God. And would you help us to be a people that are discerning and wise, oh God, that we would know to tell false teachers from true teachers, oh God, and that we would never be those who will be counted among the Pharisees or the Sadducees that are trying to impede the work of the kingdom going forward and going forth, oh God, this radical gospel that is in contrary to the ways of this world <laughs> that tells us to cast off a love of money, that calls us to cast off licentiousness, that calls us to cast off the pride of life and the lust of the flesh and, and all these things, oh God, that we vibe for and that we naturally have natural inclinations towards. God, would you help us to be with those who serve you, who stand with you no matter the cost? And that we would be able to testify to your goodness and to the power of your gospel. Even if our voice shakes, oh God, would you help us? Give us the conviction, give us the courage, give us the boldness to stand for your word and to stand for your gospel, oh God, in the ways that we saw Paul demonstrate to us. Help us, oh Lord, to be bold and courageous in these dark and evil days, Lord. I pray this in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Amen. Around Christmas, we spend a lot of time thinking about presents, but have you ever wondered why we give gifts? Learn about the life of St. Nicholas and discover why he became known as one of the greatest gift givers of all time. In Ned Bustard's book, St. Nicholas, the Gift Giver, told as a delightful poem, this colorfully illustrated book will be enjoyed by children and the adults who read with them. As a listener of this podcast, you can get 30% off plus free U.S. shipping when you use the promo code, the word. That's code T-H-E-W-O-R-D at ivypress.com. We pray this time of getting the word with Truth Table has encouraged us all to not only be hearers of God's word, but doers. Share your reflections on these scriptures with us on Twitter and Instagram using the hashtag GetInTheWord and hashtag TruthsTable. Saints, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, 
whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Go with God. Get in the Word with Truth's Table is a production of InterVarsity Press. For 75 years, IVP has created and published resources that deepen lives for Christ to engage the university, church, and the world. Visit ivpress.com for more information. Our Bible reading plan is from biblestudytogether.com, and the Bible version is the new English translation used by permission. Sound engineering is from Pottery Studios, and our executive producer is Helen Lee.